What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 43rd draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rora Beck, alongside. What are you doing? What are you doing with your arms? It's like you're <laughs> it's trying to do day, the robot. Man. Alongside my BFCA buddy Eric Marchin. What hey, up? Uh, well, as you said, it's been a day. Everything has been crashing. Uh, not as badly as the 2005 uh, Oscars with Paul Haggis winning Best Picture <laughs> for Crash. You. But, um, uh, you know, Tiffer hasn't been doing well. A lot of people on Twitter getting angry, feeling self-entitled that they, ha- they have to have their P&I and, and schedules up and ready to go. Uh, GarageBand has been crashing. crashing. Uh, the MCU Spider-Man's crashing and burning. And the- Weirdly, The Matrix uh, is, is, <laughs> on is, the rise, is, is online. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, yeah, lots of huge news. Um, actually, a, a ton of news just broke right before we started recording the podcast. So I guess perfect timing on our part, uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I'm sure I'll go on a rant at some point. Or, uh, I'm, 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 I'm in rant mode already. Well, not like I'm going to rant, but I'm just I'm like in a stance that I know that you are going to rant. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I might be more level-headed than I think um, because who knows? This, all, this whole thing seems very weird. If you don't know what we're talking about, we'll go into it in the news a little bit later, but you probably saw from the headline, which I think I titled R.I.P. Spider-Man or something. Um, and, I, and, and Matrix 4 is coming or something like that. Uh, how you doing otherwise? It's a, it was a big day today yeah we, we usually get together on it's tiff schedule day today which is why the podcast is dropping a, a little bit later than usual um and yeah you and i usually get together spend way too many hours uh trying to build our schedule but, but it's yeah, fun it's it is the fun. best it's, part of, yeah. uh, of the of the season if you will and it looks like we might have to extend that uh to be a few days because yes there's been some issues um i'll just stay over at your place the, yeah <laughs> super you'll never I'll create a little fort <laughs> the tiff fort like the good old days. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it happens. It's uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, I mean, we'll get it. And everybody yeah. that's working on it, you know, at, at TIFF and at TIFFER yeah. are doing the best that they can to make sure that everything is up and running as quickly as possible. So, you know, don't take it out on them. It's not that they're doing it to inconvenience anybody. It's just yeah. technical difficulties. They happen every year. It happens when you have... I know. It, you just can't... Fun. You just don't sweat the small stuff. Like, I understand for... You know, people that have tickets and they kind of want to organize their schedule. But I mean, at least you can go on to the main website right now on TIFF. And at some point, you could. Some sometimes you, you can. <laughs> Most recently, I, I was oh, able it was? to. Okay, yeah, cool. but depending on the day, the time of day, if the web browser is still up. Um, but just maybe try to take some some notes or screenshots of movies that you're want to just get those uh those P&I schedules and regular schedules up because again totally understand that you know people want to organize you know what they're going to be doing for those two weeks and people are just excited but yeah. also just don't be a dick That's exactly all like, exactly you can be kind of like ah god i'm really i'm disappointed i wanted to make my schedule that's totally fair just don't be a fucking asshole to the people like transparency yes my fiance works at tiff so i'm gonna and i'll, I'll be defensive a little bit but transparency um, i have no connection no, to yeah. it so i can say whatever i want and what i'm saying <laughs> is there were a lot of people on twitter acting like they were immature babies yes today and and it was just unfortunate to see that because there's a lot of really smart people and, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but I just wanted like, there's just times where you want to just say like, you know, chill out chill, for yeah, a exactly. second. Right? That's like, my just, whole motto in life. I'm like, nothing. It, it, come on. Like, just fucking chill. Deep breath. Everyone needs to smoke more weed okay. and just fucking uh, chill. Well, get, coming um, on coming on the streetcar here. Yeah. Oh my God. Dank. It just I told you to come reeked. over at 420, man. <laughs> 
which it just did. reeked. Um, but yeah, this week we're not going to go deep into a lot of TIFF stuff. We're uh, we've done a lot of TIFF talks the last couple weeks. Yeah, and- so we're going to be saving. You know, we we know that there are about seventeen, eighteen extra special presentation titles, masters, uh, wavelengths, prime time. We'll talk about those more in our uh, TIFF special. Yeah, our TIFF preview, which will be next week, which is also our one year anniversary, which will be next week, which is kind of uh, fitting and. and- in full circle because send our, us money our no don't do that we don't it's fine <laughs> i'm just kidding um but uh yeah it'll be it, it, our first ever episode last year was a tiff 2018 preview and uh we're going to continue that uh probably as a yearly tradition uh, at the end of august so we're going to do a tiff preview next week which will cover everything we'll probably talk about uh how our schedules are looking by that point and and what the rollout of content will be during the festival because we're still aiming uh, to do uh, on the reviews channel. Uh, so yeah, that if you guys like this, we do another channel called Untitled Movie Reviews, where both of um, which, both of which, yes, are on Apple Podcasts <laughs> Film Reviews page. Yes, the yes. front page. Yes, I, I don't know how many pages there are. There's probably only one, but it still feels <laughs> good. So if you go to Film Reviews on Apple Podcasts, you can find both this podcast and, and Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, you can get our latest episode, which is Ready or Not. You can uh, prep yourself for TIFF by listening to probably our last review of August um, because they, I couldn't go to the London – or not London. The Angel is Fallen screening. So uh, this will probably be our last review for August. And then uh, on the reviews channel, uh, we'll have daily recaps, I think, of uh, the films we see. We might break – certain movies out into their own reviews but we'll figure that out yeah Um, some of uh uh, the stuff that we pre-screen we'll probably have a couple of uh reviews that are uh just the individual reviews that will pop up once the embargo has lifted or when you know the the day of the movie it's screening during the pni and then the i don't know what it means um this is inside baseball but uh usually our tiff pre-screenings have to be capsule reviews I don't know what the hell an audio capsule review is. <laughs> like I guess maybe, maybe under five 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah, under 10 minutes maybe. But I, maybe I should inquire about that. Um, yeah, just double check. Uh, just to make sure that we're we're playing by the rules. So anyways, we'll get back into the full swing of TIFF things next week. And then you're going to get a overload of TIFF content on the reviews And channel. it is well. We'll probably and put it somewhere. It chapter right. two. It'll probably in be there. in one of our roundups. Or if we have time, we'll do a 10, 15 minute review of it. Um uh, but we'll have to figure that out as But we it is go, something but... we do want to talk about. Yeah, so keep an eye on our social channels. We'll let you guys know, or we'll let you know next week on the podcast. Uh, that being said, uh, let's kick it off. Eric, what have you been watching this last week? Well, Matt, uh, last Sunday I uh, had the opportunity to come downtown to Toronto, where we are right now. Uh, actually, near Queen Street, no less, uh, on Richmond, yes. uh, at the Scotiabank Theatre. Celebrating the 40th anniversary of one Apocalypse Now. 40 years. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. 40 years older than this podcast. Yeah. Um, So this is... wine. Pretty good. I'm just throwing that out there. I've heard that from from many people. Um, I mean, he has sort of made a career in filmmaking, but it is also able to take, um, you know, his financial gain from his vineyard... And put it back into his films like Apocalypse Now. So this is the 40th anniversary uh, final cut 
183 minutes long, uh, a combination of both the theatrical and the Redux version. Um, kind of an in-between. An in-between. It's it's a lot better than Redux, although it still has the French plantation scene, which you know puts the movie to a halt. But other than that, watching it again on the big screen, because I did see the uh, Redux with my dad. He, he, he showed me first the theatrical version, and then I remember we went to go and see uh, Redux in theaters. It was around like 2001, 2002. Um, and we hated uh, that, that French plantation scene. And then they also added this kind of icky sequence with um, a crashed helicopter and stranded Playboy Playmates. Um, getting on uh, the boat and 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 having to uh, um, present themselves in order to uh, get safe passage, uh, safe Gross. passage for sex. Yeah. yeah. Um. And, and and again, like these guys like aren't politically correct, and like that's fine for that. But it just like goes out on on a limb to really push that even further, and you don't need to. Um. The movie is still amazing. Uh, the editing, the uh, cinematography, it's one of the best movies to depict, you know, the descent into madness and to take Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness and turn it into a Vietnam parable um, is, is amazing. I mean, I am still stunned and grateful that a movie like this with all the problems that it had from right. Martin Sheen only in his 30s. Um, being uh, re- replacing Harvey Keitel, and then halfway during the production having a heart attack, Francis Ford Coppola going into uh, an epileptic uh, an epileptic uh, seizure and wanting to commit suicide, or saying he was going to commit suicide three times. Marlon Brando being a whole other thing. The killing of an actual water buffalo. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Hopper getting Lawrence Fishburne addicted to heroin at the age of 14. Um, th- this movie took years to make, and yeah. it's a miracle that it even got finished, let alone being the masterpiece that it is. And if you haven't seen it yet, I still recommend checking out the theatrical cut first, then the final cut, and then, if you're curious, the Redux version, because there is a new 4K that is being released, not this week, as we're recording this, but the following week, the end of August, and all three cuts of the film will be on there. I'm not sure if the Heart of Darkness documentary will be on there, but if it is, watch that as well, because it's it's an amazing companion piece. Um, It shows you, you know, even when everything goes wrong, and it does on that set, they still were able to somehow pull it out and, 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 and get the movie made. Yeah, I haven't seen it since film school, which would have been in college. And then, um, and I, I'm assuming we watched the theatrical, but I don't know for sure. I forget. Um, but I haven't seen it since then. So I'd love to revisit. I wanted to see the IMAX version, I just never got out to it. Um, but yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, Heart of Darkness is wild, and uh, which I also haven't watched since college. But uh, yeah, and the book is great too. But the book is, it's 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 a very loose adaptation. I mean, Kurtz is the uh, is the only character in the book that's kind of brought into Apocalypse now. And in um, uh, Heart of Darkness, he's an anthropologist, not right. a, a, a decorated soldier turned mad. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, and it's just, again, like, so many great one-liners. John Milius, who co-wrote the script, you know, like, lines about, like, uh, kill with extreme prejudice. And and Robert Duvall, who's only in the movie for about 12 minutes, steals the entire film. Yeah. 
he is incredible um, as this like far out lieutenant who isn't phased by anything that's going on around him. Like when, you know, uh, bombs and shrapnel are hitting the beach, he just stands there, you know, like uh, just ready to go. And it's one again, like it's one of those movies. If if you have not seen it and, and, it, and it is your first time, I envy you because it's something of an experience, especially if you have a chance to see it in a theater. Um it's long, but if you connect with it or, 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 or get kind of sucked into Martin Sheen's character's Willard's mindset, then you're off to the races. Like, you will be going upriver with this guy. And it's one of the few films, like, we talk about, you know, in, in our reviews, how much we hate voiceover. Mm-hmm. The voiceover in this is not only well-written, but it, it, it's essential and again, like it's the inner monologue of a character that it shouldn't work in a movie like this, but it does perfectly. I don't think narration is always bad. No, no, but... but it's it's usually a lazy way of 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 you know expunging exposition and things like that, where it's like okay, well you know we'll have somebody do a voiceover introduction or or, or end credits or something right, or right, throughout. Right. But this like is truly you you need those voiceovers with Sheen kind of talking about. You know, the going through the dossier and, and going through Kurtz's history and sort of comparing it to himself and what's going on in Vietnam at the time. And I mean, there's even a scene where they get news from home and it takes place in 1969. And there's the paper from uh, the Manson murders and stuff oh, right. like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool, man. Anything else this week? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a lot of stuff. So um, you can see my reviews of uh, Blinded by the Light and Where'd You Go, Bernadette? on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene so it'll save you guys a little bit uh, of time there um i watched 47 meters down uncaged (laughs) nicholas cage does not play the shark nor is he in the film at all um which means i will not see it no it's not very good and like after crawl i kind of felt like that movie did what this is trying to do a little bit better basically a single location uh creature feature where um these you know these girls go um diving into a, a mayan temple that they're not supposed to go into and these albino blind sharks start hunting them down taking them out one by one and i guess it's it'll be best known because of of nepotism so to speak because it has both uh sylvester stallone's daughter sistine rose stallone and uh karina uh fox jamie fox's uh daughter in the movie and then sophie uh Nilis, who um is a french canadian actress yes, yeah. from um uh, mr lazar and mean dreams okay yeah. who's also in it she's fine but the movie's kind of not so great bad. yeah yeah uh is that it that's about oh i saw good boys as well which Which i I do want to see i just haven't had the energy i liked it more than i thought i would because we've been talking we've talked about it on this uh podcast before where it um we were saying that it's very it it seems like it's gonna be very gimmicky like you know kids swear the darndest things and stuff like that super bad but with yeah yeah with but with sixth graders but it's it's a little bit more in tune with its emotions and also um, the friendship of the three leads and there are moments where it is very sweet and surprisingly I think it flows a lot better than a lot of the Judd Apatow movies where like with Judd Apatow he a little he, too bloated too too bloated and and I mean he's not a producer on this but like as Seth Rogen someone who is uh, you know has worked with Apatow many times 
like you can see that he's taking kind of uh you know cues from from Apatow, but he's also you know he realizes that this kind of movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours or two full hours long mm-hmm. you know to tell the story and and again like it's a good streaming film like we'll probably once you see it it's going to be one of those movies that you recommend for you know staying at home oh right for a rental yeah. or, or even when it's for ten dollars and there are some genuinely like funny moments like there are some kind of like okay yeah he's saying the f word or what have you but but again like it's more funny when you just have characters that are young and they kind of misinterpret things right and not things that are like necessarily gross or nasty but just like general things and sort of like taking them to the extreme and thinking like this is how like parents or adults act okay fair yeah i'm excited to see it i almost uh went last night after ready or not but i didn't want to wait around for an hour so uh, I've been really kind of lazy in August. I've been kind of uh, skipping out on a lot of stuff. And uh, um, I do want to see Angel Has Fallen <laughs> just because. Right. Um, and then uh, Good Boys I still want to make it out to see. But because Tiff is fast approaching, I don't know if I actually will. But uh, we shall see. I've been watching uh, – I'm continuing my watch of the Harry Potter movies. Um, watch Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, I feel like I did this last year as well, so I might have already talked about rewatching the Harry Potter movies last year. When, like, I forget, but um, I'm just doing it because uh, the kind of funny guys are doing their in-review series on Harry Potter, so I'm kind of following along. Um, I also qu- quickly, since you mentioned that, you yeah. went to the X recently I did, and, yeah. and met some of them. Yeah, um, yeah, I did. So uh, I talked about it last time when I went to – I met Greg and Nick last year in October at EGLX. Uh Kind of funny was down in Toronto this weekend at weirdly the CNE, which is the Canadian National Exhibition. Uh, for it, those who don't know, it's, it's like a usually state always, fair kind of. Yeah, and it's always the the sign of the end of summer yeah. because it happens in the last couple of weeks of August. And for kids going back to school, it's like okay, the this is the beginning hurrah. of, of yeah. the end. So yeah, and I always remember going as a kid, and then as an adult, you would go like Nevis and I went on a date there, or things like that, and then. I hadn't been like so I went Friday and or sorry Saturday and Sunday by myself because they had this new thing that they've been doing which is um, I mean I talk a lot about kind of funny on the entertainment side of things because they do a lot of uh, movie and television content but then their their main thing is gaming content so they were in this thing called the gaming garage um, and uh, so Greg Andy and Tim from kind of funny were down. Uh, so I went and listened to their panels. Uh, I got to meet, uh, I've already met Greg, but I got to chat with Greg again, met Andy and Tim, um, chatted with them, went to their panels. They did like a, a hangout thing at like a beer garden. So we uh, hung out with all of them and it was fun, man. It was, it's uh, always like really nerdy, obviously, like going to meet, like, I mean, for guys who we, they were an inspiration of me to get back into this. And, um, I think when we were doing the podcast, whether it was Movie Monarchy way back in the day, um, I don't think they they just started kind of funny four years ago. But then Greg was doing stuff at IGN and things like that. And uh, they were always a big inspiration of wanting to get back into this because I enjoyed them so much. So uh, it's always cool kind of seeing them. And they'll be back down in October as well. So I'm going to probably go down. Stalk them again? Yeah, not sock, but yeah. So yeah, I've been following along with their in-review series, so they're doing Harry Potter. Chamber of Secrets is fine. Um, it's... Moaning Myrtle. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's not bad. It's just whatever. And then um, I think the movies finally kick into gear with Azkaban, and uh, when Alfonso Cuaron comes in and puts, I think, what his visual stamp on it, which continues throughout 
the majority of the rest of them until kind of David Yates comes in and kind of, um, I mean, he continues the same look and feel and they get darker and darker, I think, as they go on. But um, not just from a color palette, but from a tonally and, and things like that, too. But um, uh, I love the serious Black storyline. I, I love how Voldemort doesn't really show up on screen until the fourth film. I always forget that. And um, I think they do a really good job at like building him up as a villain throughout those movies for him being the main bad guy, but not really showing up until halfway through. Right. Well, they took um, their time. Like if they were making them now, they would rush to get right. that character into like the second or third. That's what movie. I mean. And like, I mean, he's technically in those films. He's a presence just, like, though. A presence, yeah. right? Like whether he's the creepy face on the back of uh, of what's his name in the first movie or um, I love the Lupin stuff with the, the werewolf storyline. Yeah, David Thewlis. Yeah, David Thewlis is awesome. The the time travel stuff is cool. Like I just think Azkaban is like, I think it's one of the best Harry Potter movies if not the best one. Um, and I just, I think it, it, it's so excellently paced. And, um, I mean, the second one is very bloated. It's like two hours and 40 minutes and it doesn't, and it's boring. I mean, like I, I, all I remember from that one is that there's the talking spider, which scared the shit out of me. Um, because I don't like talking spiders. Um, the snake and moaning Myrtle. Those are the three things that kind of distinguish that film in the, in the franchise. Uh, I agree. Yeah. And then there's not much else that you remember from that movie. No, for a film that's two hours and forty minutes, 40 and there's minutes. an extended cut that's even longer on the, and I'm like, why would you need that? Um, so yeah, I'm excited to keep going, and uh, uh, I don't really have much else to say. I've never been a huge Harry Potter fan, like some other people. I mean, like when it comes to the MCU, love or, that butterbeer though, or Starbucks, or, not Starbucks, <laughs> Star Wars. I'm drinking because well, I also said butterbeer. Yeah, right? yeah. I think I just got uh, confused for a second. Uh, Star Wars and Marvel are my franchises, and then uh, so you're not a big hippogriff um, fan. <laughs> yeah, I made that joke about them being horse pigeons. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, Azkaban's an excellent movie, and I do enjoy those movies. I'm just not hardcore into them. But I do love the world that they've built, and we even talked about that with the Fantastic Beast movies, even though they're shit. That, um, or the first one's fine. But um, that I like the world building, and I want them to do more in this world, and I know that they're just procrastinating until they can bring back the original cast. Right, but they do. don't necessarily need to. Like they could, They could expand it and tell, you know, deep and rich stories within the universe but not necessarily have to be pigeonholed to hogwarts and the wizarding world in sort of the harry potter london domain which i feel they're basically sticking close to so they can bide their time until they can get to the cursed child yes exactly and that's exactly what's happening so um and it's, it's what like we, star wars it's, right i was like gonna bring up the same i mean harry I mean, potter even, is star yeah, wars yeah well even i mean it's 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 the joseph campbell yeah. hero's journey yeah, thing. Know, and even yeah. the final battle between voldemort and, and harry potter the red, red and green, green is just lightsaber it's literally one, star wars yeah. the whole thing is yeah. star wars but john williams score and like everything it's just so I, I think that's why i ultimately enjoy them i'm just not as deep into the lore and the like some people are which yeah. like nick it's also british i mean it's like a lot of nick and some of the guys from kind of funny are like deep into it and um which i appreciate nevis loves harry potter and um uh you guys should go to universal orlando it's it's uh, the harry potter land's a lot of fun so that's when i first watched these movies as my family was doing a trip there so i because uh, I hadn't seen any of them in the theater except for the last one. I skipped out on all of it because I was always a stubborn kid where, like, 
I didn't like people telling me what to do. And my parents would try to make me read things. And I was like, I'll fucking read what I want. Okay. And I read the first Harry Potter book way back in, when did it come out? 2000, 2001. Yeah. I thought it was earlier, like late nineties. Late nineties. Um, anyways, I read the first book as a child and then uh, my parents are obsessed with it. My sister loves it. Um, and then I refuse to watch any of the movies, much like the Lord of the Rings. All fantasy stuff always is like, I don't want witches and wizards and trolls and shit. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Rock monsters, though. Um, yeah, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, watching those. And then uh, I watched Endgame again, like a psychopath. Uh, I'm sure I'll watch it. It'll be a comfort movie, weirdly. Um, but I wanted to watch it with commentary because last time when we reviewed it last week, I'd only heard the first 20 minutes or so. Uh, excellent commentary. Anyone who loves the MCU like I do, I think it's a absolute necessity to go and, and listen to this. I and think this is they, done by Paul Bettany, right? Oh, yeah. Just Paul <laughs> Bettany talking about it. No, it's the Russos and the two writers, uh, Mick. Freely, McFeely, McFeely and, um, and whatever. Sorry, guys. Marcus? Marcus something. Steve, I don't know. Steven, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Sorry, writers. The two writers. <laughs> writers never give enough credit. No. But, um, anyway, so that's what I've been watching. Other than that, yeah, I went to the X. I hung out. Um, Let's you know. go to the X. What's next? Uh, staying at home. Staying at home. You got any picks this week? Yeah. So uh, Nicholas Rogue's uh, The Witches with Angelica Houston from the, I think, 1990 um, has just been recently released on Blu-ray through Warner Archive. Um, I remember watching it as a kid and being freaked out by the special effects when uh, Houston and the other witches in the coven tear off their human skin and reveal their horrible creature designs and their face, their witches, their witch faces. Uh, the resting witch faces, um, and it's the it's one of the few films that Nicholas Rogue directed, or it is the one film that was kind of quote unquote a kids movie based on uh, Roland Dahl's uh, novel. Roald Dahl, what a he... what a what a trickster that fellow! Yeah, I feel like scaring he... children. At yeah, a young that's what age. I mean. I was like, we Willy Wonka traumatizing. If I would have watched that as a kid, I'd, but that um... gentleman. So yeah, I'd I'd recommend that. Cool. Uh, for me, I have it's kind of a I didn't go deep into the digital stuff this week. Mm. I will give a shout out to Booksmart. Um, it's in 4K, right? Yep. Yeah. Not it, it's, it's not physically. Or? No, no. So it's getting a Blu-ray release in uh, September third, um, but just Blu-ray. So the only way to get the 4K is to get it digitally. It's out now. Um, I think it's probably twenty or twenty-four dollars. Um, and then I wanted to give a shout out to 2001 A Space Odyssey, um, also in 4K, Dolby Vision, and I think Dolby Atmos for $10, which is a pretty good deal. Uh, all right, on to talking trailers. We had a quick staying at home segment, uh, but we got a buttload of trailers, and then we got a lot of news that we want to talk about. So, um... There's a ton of trailers, so um, where do you want to kick it off, Eric? Well, what did I put up there first? Antlers. So the Antlers yeah. trailer dropped today. Uh, Disney's Antlers. Disney's Antlers. We saw Disney's Ready or Not the other night. Yep. Uh, movies that I don't think would get greenlit unless... Well, this I mean, is one of those films that was made right before the merger of Disney and Fox, and... I was questioning what was going to happen with that because even with something like Lucy in the Sky, which only just recently got an official release date, a woman like, in the a woman in the window, but that's Fox two thousand. 
I still Fox. Which though. was also yeah. canceled, so that division's completely gone but now. But now it's getting a Searchlight release, isn't it? I think so, but they haven't officially confirmed that. They've Fox. just said that it's going to be going through some reshoots, so maybe it will... No, I thought today it said May May of next year. Really? release date, yeah. Well, I, I didn't see oh, anything today, yeah. so... Okay. Um, written by or adapted by Tracy Letts, your yes. dad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> So, um, watching Doritos. the trailer, it looks like, I mean, it's produced by Guillermo del Toro, and it's directed by Scott Cooper, who's not one of my favorites, but what I like about it, it looks like it's taking um, the Wendigo mythos and sort of playing with that, where you take, you know that story, right? Where, uh, like, a little the human, bit, yeah. A human being, usually in the Pacific Northwest, it's based on First Nations lore, um, eats human flesh and starts to turn into a creature. Okay. And that's kind of what this looks like. And, and you have, you know, very specific designs and also um, the sound effects in the trailer work really well. And it kind of plays out like a, a, a child's uh, Grimm's fairy tale. Yeah, I got the same vibes. And I, I really dug the trailer. Just watched it very briefly at work quickly while I was scarfing down the rest of a pizza slice. But um, yeah, I'm super into it. I'm with you with Scott Cooper where I, I feel I didn't like... mind Hostels. Yeah. And Crazy Heart's don't. okay, but like I'm not like I didn't care for Black Mass. And, no. Yeah. Yeah, I just he's very hit or miss for me. Or he's just there, kind of. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping or out of the furnace. But I mean, Faith in Del Toro and and the trailer looks cool, so I'm I'm totally in. And it's does it did they have a release date or they March 2020? March That's what 2020. it says. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but now, so now with Fox Searchlight, there's only I think there's only. Um, the Ben Zeitlin movie left. That was shot before. before yeah, because yeah. that's been shooting for the last couple of years now. Um, the director of Beasts of the Southern Wild has a new film called Wendy, which was rumored to come out this year because apparently it is done. But I think maybe they'll save it for next year, I guess. Which is looks like what they did with this as well with Antlers. Yeah. So. Um, interesting, interesting. Uh, next up, uh, we got The Death of Dick Long, uh, directed by one of the guys who did... One of the Daniels. Uh, the Daniels. Of that, Swiss Army Man. Yes, correct, correct. Uh, I was super into this trailer. I don't know. like a, Great title. Uh, yeah, amazing title. Um, Good poster, too. That poster, great poster. Is, is, is excellent. Great trailer, yeah. I would argue. Um, totally into this. This uh, kind of noir. but A southern noir. Southern noir with a lot of humor and uh, about a couple friends who uh, go out and one of their buddies gets killed. And then, uh, because they're playing with guns, aren't they? In the, yeah, and yeah. fireworks and yeah. explosives. And, you know, one thing leads to another. One of their friends dies and they kind of drop him off at a hospital. Yeah, and they become, you know, they, they get entangled into this whole, like, it gets worse before it gets better. And they're, they're kind of basically, you know, waiting for, for someone to catch them. Or they're, they're, they're trying yeah. to figure out, like, what do they do from here? And they're here. just idiots, yeah. basically. <laughs> like, yeah, they're complicit, but they're yeah. not necessarily murderers, but they're getting entangled into an even bigger mess. Yeah. Um, I was super into the trailer. I'm surprised it uh, didn't show up at something like TIFF, but I think it is playing Fantastic Fest. Yeah, and it played at Sundance earlier this year where, where uh, A24 picked it up. Mm-hmm. Did it get a good reaction? I don't... Yeah, people liked it. I'm, yeah. I mean, like... They said, "Yeah, it's definitely from one of the guys who brought who us Swiss Army Man." Okay, which I was mixed on. I liked um, it. Yeah, I like those guys. Like they're great. Yeah, you interviewed them. Yeah, right? I sure did. Yeah. one of my favorite interviews. Are they brothers or are they no. just? Oh no, 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 not. no, no. Okay, no, they're just they're they're just friends. Okay, yeah, cool. So they split off already, you know. 
Yeah, well, Swiss like Army. the Coens, man. <laughs> yeah. Every, every duo is just is, now... Well, we'll be talking about the Matrix 4 soon right? as well. Another breakup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, uh, uh, Dolomite is my name. Um, uh, playing Tiff. Yep. Uh, Netflix film starring Eddie Murphy as the titular Dolomite. Dolomite or Dolomite? Dolomite. Dolomite. Uh, I'm not super familiar. Uh, uh, have you seen the Dolomite I've movies? seen Disco Godfather, but that's not... <laughs> a uh dolomite movie but the the what i remember that character from the most isn't even those movies that he made uh rudy uh ray ray god look it up as as i'm talking about it but it and i I think i've mentioned this on the show before it was on uh, Mad TV when they were doing spoofs of black black exploitation. Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah. So when they were doing uh, spoofs of black exploitation movies, uh, Aries Spears played Dolomite. Okay. And like he was, but like Dolomite, like in the presence. <laughs> okay. So like it was just really ridiculous and over the top. And then like uh, Key and Peele on uh, Mad TV did like uh, uh, Blackenstein and stuff like that and 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 what have you. So. Uh, what do you think of the trailer? I dug it. I dug it. It's it. It looks like one of those movies, like maybe in the, in the same kind of vein as the Disaster Artist, where you know you or Ed Wood, where you have a group of people that are so very passionate about making uh you know a movie and 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 being a part of the industry and and seeing themselves represented on the screen, but maybe they don't have the know how and 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 sort of the 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 academic. Uh, skills to to make a great work of art, but they're putting their passion and desire and everything they have into it. Yeah, I I agree. I, and I, it's from Craig Brewer too, and 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 I'm hoping this will be a bit of a rebound for him because I really liked Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan and and thought even though like I appreciated what he was trying to do with the remake of Footloose, it just kind of I kind of liked the remake. Of Footloose. I, I liked Miles Teller. I thought yeah. Miles Teller was perfectly cast in the Chris Penn part. But Julian other than, Huff, not great. No, but, well, um, Kenny uh, Wormerd wasn't great either. Yeah, I gotta rewatch. I mean, I don't need to, but I I remember mildly enjoying it when I saw it. Um, but I mean, Footloose is a classic too. Come on, no Kevin Bacon. It's okay. You don't like Footloose? It's it's more so for the soundtrack. It's, it's just fair. it's a ridiculous movie. Fair, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dancing's illegal. Yeah. Uh, Hidden Life. We also got a trailer for. Yes, also. which is also playing Tiff. Yes, I feel like they uh, a lot of Tiff films uh, drop their trailers in the last uh, week and a half or so. Uh, so T Mal is back. T Mal's back. Definitely looking like a T Mal movie, but more narrative driven i think than maybe his last few movies and that's what we've been hearing out of the yes um, he he's he's even talked a little bit about this um where he said that he kind of wanted to return to a narrative structure structure similar to uh badlands where like yeah it'll still be a terrence malick movie still uh, people touching grass and whispering yeah yeah orbiting camera shots but it's not shot by uh, emmanuel Lubinsky this time no who is it uh i believe it's a german uh cinematographer but still sweeping cinematography yeah things like that yeah played a can was picked up for about 14 or 15 million dollars by fox searchlight which was like the whole budget (laughs) of the tree of life that made box office wise um, Got that Disney money, but yeah, it, it's weird because like Malik, his I I think the more prolific he's become in the last few years, it's almost like there there was always this weird allure with him because he was such a mysterious figure and that he didn't really 
present himself to introduce his movies or talk about his films. So you would always have to project your own opinions onto them. But since he's been a little bit more open to coming into the limelight more recently, you know, appearing on, uh, at South by Southwest and doing interviews and things like that. Hot ones. Yeah. And he's also, <laughs> I mean, he's also a fan of uh, Jason Derulo. So, um, yeah, I, I'm curious because, again, like I didn't care for Song to Song or uh, Night of Cups. I felt the, the, or even to The Wonder, like those were all just really extensions of what the New World and the Tree of Life were, which was almost weirdly verging on parody yeah. than anything else. But this does kind of look interesting, especially like where we are right now, like a German pacifist during the rise of Nazi occupation in Germany. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. I'm excited. It's a good yeah. cast too, and it's and it's the last movie for both um, Bruno Gans and uh, Michael Nyquist. Right, right. Um, didn't I didn't even end up seeing Night of Cups because I think of the like people are just like eh. Just... It's the it's the better of the two. Like if you had to see one of them, I, I'd recommend I think that I saw... over Song to Song. No, wait, or maybe I didn't see Song to Song. Night of Cups is with Christian Bale as like a Hollywood producer. Yeah, I saw that one. Navigating through I LA. saw that one. Do I remember any of it? Nope. Nope. Just washes <laughs> over you like a I dream. Re- I remember seeing it at the Varsity VIP. And, I and then Song to Song takes place in sort or of like the, the Austin, Austin music, music scene. scene. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's um, not good. Yeah, fair. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm always open to seeing a new Terrence Malick movie, no I, matter I'm always, what. I'm, but... I'm, I, I like what he represents more than the film's that he makes. Yeah. Like, I, I think he is a poet and I think he is a, a um, you know, a, a philosophical filmmaker and he, he's definitely worthy of, of telling his stories. But at the same time, you, again, I think you kind of have to be in the mood for his stuff as well. Yeah. Like you have to kind of, 9am on day one, whispering, baby. Uh, voiceover narrations. It might be our first film of TIFF 19. Yeah, touching, <laughs> touching grass, touching fields of wheat. What a, a Tiff is just like, you know what? We're going to give you the new T-Mail, 9 a.m. day one. <laughs> yeah. Also a big fan of Zoolander, so you can't hate the guy. I know. Come on. Zoolander's amazing. Um, next up, uh, totally opposite, Last Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Paul Feig's Last Christmas, um, starring Amelia Clark and Henry Goulding, um, which I'm pretty sure Henry Goulding's playing a ghost. Yeah. So, but I almost we were talking about this off air, and for those of that you who don't know, it's a Christmas film about a girl who's had some health issues. We don't know what those health issues are, whether they're mental or physical. Um, and she meets this this guy who kind of guardian angel, yeah. if you will. But it almost seems too obvious that it's that that I. I'm like, it can't be that. If it's that obvious, that can't be a twist or anything, or right. else they're gonna let you. Well, know it's that directed right by away. Paul Feig and not. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Sure. Um, uh, it looks fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of I'm those... I'm open to any Christmas movie, I guess. That's opening like, around Christmas yeah. to kind of, you know, uh, basically... I, I mean, we watched that Kurt Russell one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, I think it'll do well. And I think having the music of George Michael will... will... So the whole movie is just Wham! music or what? Wham! and George Michael. Because yeah. they use Freedom 90 in the trailer, which is sure. his... His so song, long. right? Yeah. And the music video was directed by David Fincher. Wow. Okay. Um, but it's not a musical. They're just using his music. Yeah. So it's like a jukebox musical. Kind of like sure. in the same way like it's like Blinded by the Lights, not like 
Like they don't Amazing. break into song, no. but they use a lot of. I mean, unless they they have another trailer and say otherwise, I didn't get that feeling. I think no, I don't. What it either. is is just basically it's a wonderful life, but with the music of George Michael. Fair, okay, weird. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm open to it. I just like I'm like if the twist is he's an angel or like a ghost, I'm like ah. And it's also a crazy rich Asians reunion because Michelle Yeoh's in yes. it and uh, Emma Thompson. Yes, yes, yes. She and Emma Thompson wrote it. Or the story credit? Yeah, she has a story credit. Right. I mean, she she started also as a screenwriter. She wasn't always just an actor. Yeah, it's just interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm open to it. I, I again, I like getting into the Christmas spirit, and we don't get enough Christmas movies. Right. I think. And anymore. the British Christmas stuff always seems to do really well. Like, look, look at Love Actually. I know. The way that that movie Keeps is going. stuck around. That movie sucks. <laughs> I hate. I that don't movie. hate it. I just, I just think it's there. It's so long. Yeah. It's fucking so long. I like Bill Nighy in it though. Sure. He's good. Uh, we finally got the trailer for uh, Little Women, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't mind it. I just feel that we've seen it so many, so times. many times. I mean, yeah. last year there was a mini series. There was also a weird Christian Christmas version of it that was a contemporary film. Um, the best one still, I think, is the 90s version with Winona Ryder and Christian Bale. Um, but what I want to talk about for a minute, and you brought this up on, on Twitter, is aspect ratios for trailers. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> what you want to get into? Well, yeah. I think you I mean, should I, talk yeah. about this because this is important for, for people that are watching trailers or want to this see. This is our trailer segment. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's an annoying thing. And, like, there are certain things I understand when it comes to uh, optimizing for – I mean, uh, I work in social media marketing. Uh, that's my – yeah, you've that's said it a hundred times. I know, but that's yourself. how I make my money because film criticism. Uh, I mean, we we try, but it's, we love it. But it's, it's not a, a lot of money. It's in there. not a. You're not going to get rich yeah. um, uh, trying to get into film criticism in 2019 or even t- 2009 when we tried uh, or or started, not tried. But uh, anyways, that being said, still um, trying. Uh, yeah, and it happened again with Rambo today, um, where. I get the whole people I see complain being like, why do you do that trailer before the trailer? You know, that like five second snippet that says like, here's the trailer coming up or the pre-trailer um, trailer. That's where what it's I, like. It takes days like that days one. Before. That's annoying. The one that's like shows you five seconds from the movie and then says the trailer. I get that thing because basically what they're doing is they on, on social, the first five seconds count, right? Like you need to catch people in like as they're scrolling right so basically they do a really quick cut thing smash to the title just so people as they're scrolling through social it will, catches their it catches their attention or in a youtube pre-roll where they only have five seconds before they the person can skip the video and then what and let's they, be honest it was on all um, of stallone's social media so that that part i understand so i don't i when people complain about that i'm like okay it's five seconds of your time just close your eyes and then you see the trailer right like i get that part um and i get why they don't cut different versions of the trailer because that would just be a pain in the ass to upload different versions in different spots um and then when it comes to i mean you guys if you're listening to this you hear eric and i complain every week about masking or sound quality or image quality at at the movies and then we're seeing that kind of fall into whether it's at home viewing with your motion blur and then you're seeing that in marketing with things like cropping a film to fit whatever 
is best for the platform. So what they're doing is on Twitter or on Instagram or things like that, they're cropping these films to a one-to-one aspect ratio. For so for something like the lighthouse, that makes sense, right? Because it's in one, like it's in four by three or or, or right. a square. Aspect. The academy aspect ratio. It's either four by three or sometimes just a perfect square, depending on different aspect ratios. But close enough. So those are fine because that's going to look good on your phone because you're holding it vertically. The way it was um, meant to be seen. Right. Because <laughs> whether you hold your phone vertically or horizontally with that type of movie it's gonna look fine right or it's gonna look as good as it can right but with a movie like little women which i forget i think it's in 185 right yes. um or i i forget but either way they cropped it to like a square aspect ratio mm. and then when they were i saw all these people that were posting about it on twitter and they're watching this in a like a square box that's cropping most of the image and like it's just it's well, especially when you get those wide shots of like yeah. you know a character running in the forest or something yeah. like that like you're not really seeing you know the the leading room between the character and and you know what they're running to or from yeah and then half the time when i see them share it it's got giant black bars on the side because it's still in a horizontal player but even though they want you when you're scrolling through your feed for it to fit more of the screen because if they're putting the whole wide wider version then it looks very small in someone's feed right because if you go one to one the image is going to be taller so it fits up a phone when you're scrolling vertically. So I understand why they're doing it, but I I don't think that they should because that it's just it's manipulative and I just feel like it's uh I think it's disrespectful to the movie because like and the filmmaker because that's not I mean they're shooting it in a specific as- aspect ratio for a reason and just because you want to market it on social doesn't mean you should crop the film. I don't think any time you should crop the movie. Like I've I've turned on movies that played either on the movie network or a streaming service or something like that and um immediately go wait a minute that movie's not in 185. Right. Well, this is that and classic like, case of like the, you know, the pan and scan. Yeah, right? we used to get in VHS days, right? You yeah. get the full screen versus widescreen, right? And luckily now they don't give you that option. You have to do it manually by zooming in on your TV if you're a psychopath. <laughs> but um what kind of monster? What kind of monster? Cuz there's still those people who probably complain about the black bars, right? In movies and yeah. and, and you a certain audience probably does zoom in and crop the image on the. That's why you still have to be. Uh, if you look at a lot of movie titles, I'm not trying to mansplain or or overexplain what how, why they do these things, and I'm probably not even a hundred percent correct. But um, even if you look at title sequences in movies, they usually make sure that they'll fit in a 185 aspect ratio because they know people do these things or they know they crop them from airplanes or they crop them for when they eventually go on TV and things like that. Because if something airs on uh, cable and it's got black bars at the top and bottom, like if it's on ABC or NBC or something like that. If it's televised uh, before the trailer, like if it's like during the Super or Bowl, not or even the trailer. I mean, like even when the movie eventually goes to like basic oh, okay, cable. Okay, like the, I thought you meant like the trailer itself. The trailer they usually show in a proper aspect ratio when it's on TV. But I mean, like when they're actually making these movies, is like they crop them for. I remember someone even saying uh, it was the Nightingale. Um, Jennifer Kent was talking about it and being like, she's contract contractually obligated to make a 185 version of that movie but she purposely when she was shooting it uh included shit 
in the the area where it would have been 185 so that it was impossible for her to do it later right so even though they because she's like jennifer kent rock she's just like well i purposely included shit in that in those things so it would be uh, impossible for them later to make that version yeah and that so it has to be shown in the in the aspect ratio that she intended it to be right um so good for her like it's just weird things like that or when they have to make tv versions of their movies there are some movies that like certain directors put in their contract like hey no you can't crop my movie or things like that but a lot of the times you don't have say right it's just like the final cut thing but anyways that was an annoying thing with the little women and that was get to know your aspect ratio eric and i could go on about aspect or i could go on about aspect ratios for the longest time i'm sure so what would you recommend then in terms of of watching a new trailer is quick time still the best way to watch a movie that used to be i still love apple trailers but that's because i'm so invested in my apple tv and things like that but not apple plus uh i don't have any interest in apple tv plus but uh um, I haven't even watched that trailer for the morning show yet. I haven't I just, either. I just have no interest. And someone's like, they spent $200 million on that show. I'm like, on what? I'm Steve Carell's like, hair. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is $200 million? Um, so, because even YouTube can can sometimes get it wrong, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of studios uploading their... Uh, if you guys go to like the TIFF trailers thing or uh, Disney does a good job too um, of uploading their films in the in – because the, there's two different ways of doing it, right? You can upload the actual two like wide CinemaScope version and then it actually masks it properly on YouTube, which is interesting. Um, and Apple does a really good job with that too. So uh, if you have the Apple trailers app, whether it's on your phone or on your Apple TV, I feel like that's the best quality I always get because YouTube is good, but I feel like it still compresses it so much that I get pixelation or even at 1080p and things like that. But And you don't get many people uploading in 4K. So anyways, that was a rant about uh, No, that's good. I mean, like we that, didn't but... have a lot to say on Little Women itself. But... It's not really my kind of movie. I'm not shitting on Little Women. I love Greta Gerwig. I loved... Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a weird sentence, but uh, Saoirse uh, Ronan, Florence yeah. Pugh, a great cast, uh, Meryl Streep, amaz- your dad, yeah, amazing cast. But um, we didn't even see uh, like Bob Odenkirk, yeah, who's in the movie too, which is going to be weird. Uh, amazing cast. It's just you know me and my period pieces. But who knows? Maybe it'll surprise you. I hope so. And I, like, I'm, I'm just hoping that it. it will have. Like, Greta Gerwig will bring something to the adaptation that we haven't seen before. Like, we'll get to see either her style or just something. Something that separates this adaptation from the ones before and... and, and I hope her know, voice gets injected into this. Yeah, right? but that's what I'm also kind of curious about but concerned because she has such a very contemporary voice. So, like, how is that going to sound in a, you know, like... A, a period piece like that yeah but, but again, I, hope, I, I don't mind i actually hope it sounds contemporary <laughs> yeah and again like i'd rather her do something different with it than i mean obviously the story is still very um prevalent today even the way that the trailers uh put together right yeah. like um so i'm i'm curious i i will see it and i it's just not my kind of movie on your cup of tea on the surface um i deleted whatever the next thing was supposed to be i don't know what it was did Did it also start with an l is there another trailer that came out that started with l did you delete it on 
I, the virus? Uh, yeah, because it would have automatically updated. Oh, God damn it, man. I just uh, accidentally. Uh, I don't know. We'll skip it. Uh, Marriage Story. I didn't watch the trailers. There's two different trailers. Yeah, and you um, know what th- this reminded me of quite a bit? It was the disappearance of yeah. Eleanor Rigby. Uh, him, him and, and her. her. Where you had the two stories from the two perspectives. Um, I don't know if it's going to be told narratively in a similar fashion, but just from the marketing of it, um, you can tell that they're going for you know a, an intimate um, family drama that looks at two parents divorcing and what that means in their family and in their unit and and, and you know how that affects their careers, how that affects their personal lives, how that affects the lives of those around them, and um, I'm sure. Like you know, any movie dealing with the, with divorce, there's going to be some heated scenes in in sort of you know confrontations and conversation and sort of uh, you know two people falling out of love, which can be as just as tragic as two people being kept away from falling in love. You know, yeah. like the classic Romeo and Juliet thing. Um, I mean, a lot of people, I guess, will compare it to Kramer versus Kramer as well, and and what have you, but. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Did you watch the trailers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't because we're so close to TIFF that I kind of been avoiding anything that we're going to see in two I, weeks. I, I agree with you because, um, like, with the Parasite trailer, like, I just didn't That's want the next to one, so yeah. um, watch it, especially with uh, Nevis, who's seen the film, and she told us recently, just don't watch anything going as as blank as possible. And, and the only stuff I really know is just from some of the tweets uh, out of can, I, I haven't watched really anything on Same, it. Same, yeah. Um, but with with this, I was just curious from the mark how this was marketed into two different two different teasers. trailers. I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting. Totally. And then yeah, Parasite was the next one. Neither of us have seen the trailer, but it is available if you guys want to watch it. And yeah, we've heard amazing things, and it's one of our most anticipated films uh, of TIFF, and it was on our most anticipated films of the year as well. Oh but. yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Rambo Last Blood. Uh, so that I was alluding to that earlier. So Stallone uploaded uh, the trailer on his Instagram or whoever runs his Instagram account. It might actually be him because it was messed up. But Stallone's it, a renaissance. It man. wasn't even. It was cropped in a way where it was literally just cropping the widescreen version. So like even the the release date was like cut off. <laughs> so it just looked really sloppy. But I didn't even watch this. Uh, you did? Yeah. It. I mean, it's just basically the same footage we've already seen, except it gives you a little bit more plot to why. Stallone is taking on what looks to be the cartel because uh, they've captured his niece or someone who's calling him uh, Uncle Rambo and uh, him getting revenge on the people that have taken her. Cool. So it's taken, basically. I'm sure it'll be very violent. Yeah. Um, how many How many necks will he rip out? <laughs> Hopefully many. Uh, and then the last trailer, which is a trailer I did watch, uh, Underwater, which just looks like Alien underwater see i disagree with that it to me it looks like a combination of sphere with dustin hoffman's sharon stone and samuel jackson and leviathan it looks like a ripoff of those underwater movies from the 80s because a lot of people have also been saying you know it looks a lot like james cameron's the abyss fair but with like the octopus tentacles and stuff like that it reminds me of like one of those derivative uh b movie versions okay um, which were all kind of yeah and like, i actually do i kind of dug the trailer i, I like too, the suits don't. yeah i like, agree the, the, the actual production design of the sets kind of look cool you know tj miller aside this was shot before yeah. and i'm sure they were just like we could reshoot 
the stuff with him, but he might be too much of a part of the movie to probably have done that. But. Right. Um, yeah, the only thing I'm, I'm not sure about is the director, William uh, Eubank, who directed uh, The Signal with uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Olivia Cooke. Uh, back in 2014, it was kind of like a alien abduction movie that okay. took place in like Nevada. I don't think I saw it. Uh, it's not good. It really shits the bed. Okay. Um, but I, I know this movie has been in post-production for a while now because of the effects. So I don't think it's necessarily like, you know, the film's being just dumped in January. I just think it's it was done. And yeah. this is the, the first place that they could put it. And it probably makes more sense instead of just throwing it at the end of the year, too, with all the... Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and Deep Star Six, and 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 again Leviathan. So fair. I just like to me all of these like it's just like well, what if Alien was underwater? Right. Like, well, even the that. even the suits look like the suits in Prometheus. Yeah, that's what or, I was kind of alluding to. But yeah, or I'm, the Martian. I mean, I'm kind of into the. I I did dig the trailer. I like the concept. So uh, I'm I'm in It'll underwater be, in January. I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean January is always a. Uh, shit show so hopefully it could be a fun kind of just b movie hopefully yeah but we also thought that about life or some of those other alien ripoffs um and that concludes talking trailers um now on to the news we got some big stuff we alluded to at the Matt, beginning of the i think episode. you've been wanting to talk about this the whole show we talked a little bit about it on the top and we make people wait one hour until we get yeah. into it. Uh, so the biggest news, I think it was a toss-up between these two, uh, but I think one overtook the other one. So let's lead off with the one that I care about more, uh, which is that unless something's changed since we started recording, which I doubt it, um, it looks like Disney and Sony uh, could not come to an agreement to continue uh, to utilize spider-man in the mcu <laughs> uh so tom holland and uh, the mcu spider-man is done tom holland might not be done but i have no idea what his contract he, i think he is. signed on for three individual spider-man so movies. one more yeah. from sony that they might force him to do <laughs> yeah um we're partnering you up with venom <laughs> great so anyways yeah the news came out that um it looked like so the original Marvel and uh, Sony deal was for uh, two individual Spider-Man movies and two Avengers films, so four total. Yeah. Uh, with a uh, Kevin Feige producing them all, Marvel Studios producing them all, but Sony handling all of the release and kind of from a story standpoint and things like that, um, it was kind of shared between – I mean, they were produced by Marvel Studios, so Kevin Feige was overseeing them. The, the There, the deal was 5% share goes to Disney from the revenue of the films, and then that was it, I think. So now the news came out that they were renegotiating to continue – and Disney came in and said, we want 50-50 split. So a 45% increase um, of what they were getting before. Right, uh, because the latest Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, made is over, the highest grossing yeah. Spider-Man movie to date. And it's grossed over a billion worldwide. Right. But that also is off the coattails of the highest grossing film of all time, which also included Spider-Man. So, anyways, it looks like right now uh, MCU Spider-Man is dead in the water, RIP. 
um, and that Sony will be taking back full control of Spider-Man and it will no longer be involved in the MCU. So there's the story in a nutshell. That was uh, an exclusive on Deadline. I want to give them credit. Uh, Mike Fleming, I think, yeah. uh, put that out. Uh, Eric, I want to get your thoughts. I mean, I'll kick it off of just being like, what? Just why? Right. <laughs> why? Well, the reason why... You had why such a good it, thing going right now. Yeah, and it was so successful was because it was a part of the yes. MCU. It, it, it revitalized Spider-Man because we saw with the amazing Spider-Man that it didn't work. Yeah. And that the reason why people were, were, were going to this was not only because of the quality of, of these last two individual Spider-Man movies, but also... You know, the connective tissue and being part of a bigger universe and being yeah. part of a shared universe. But it's always been weird because, like, even I remember even with like the press junkets for uh, Spider Man Homecoming, it seemed like Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal, who worked at Sony at the time, were never on the same page. And they would always kind of be like talking about, like, what's the future of Spider Man in the MCU? And Kevin Feige would say one thing and Amy Pascal would say another. And they just, like even during junkets would look at each other like what the hell and like even now with you know venom it was kind of like well what are they doing with you know these weird solo uh you know spin-off uh movies with uh villains of of you know spideys like it like just it, didn't make any sense and then i think venom is what killed mcu spider-man <laughs> really <Right>. because <laughs> because it made 833 million dollars and then sony goes you know i what? blame ourselves because we did uh, see it also yeah in, uh... but i mean i blame many people and right. including us we saw um, it in brooklyn at the end but i mean at out. least at least uh, we tried to do our due diligence and critics by going, this is a bad movie. Don't go see this. And then, uh, and then people just saw it anyway. And I really do believe that the second Venom movie is going to do worse than the first one, just because I feel like people went to see that because of that character and their attachment to it in the nineties. And that, um, it was the biggest thing on the planet in the nineties that spider and Spider-Man still is probably one of the biggest Marvel characters, but Sony. Yeah. Uh, with the Andrew Garfield amazing movies, we saw it's that l l diminishing returns, right? Like we we loved the Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi movies when uh, when they were there, and then rebooting them and doing the exact same thing over again with a slightly different twist using Gwen Stacy instead of uh, and a darker tone, and a darker tone work, yeah, and and then. You finally, like, I'm just, I'm all over the place here because I'm still kind of processing this thing. But it, to me, I don't know if this is a negotiation tactic. I think it might be the because end, if they're at a then, stand still right now, and someone we'll, leaks it to the press just to kind of get this. Yeah, out so there they're going to get pressure from the fans now, and so one of them, whoever it is, is going to cave, or they'll have to go back into talks and figure something out and I hope they do I think I really, they will I think they will as because, well because I mean they just can't literally leave this movie hanging where it was you know where it ended up in that whole universe like how yeah. to me I can't even fathom how you would go forward with this unless I, I would give Sony credit they made Spider-Verse and Spider-Verse probably is the best Spider-Man movie right. we've got. but also I would say I would give more Miller and, yes. and, and Lord that credit because they went and did something so different and unique so here's the thing if this does end up happening, do you have Phil Lord and Chris Miller come in and produce the next Spider-Man movie and then somehow intertwine it with Spider-Verse and then intertwine it with the Venom? Well, they're going to have to because like what – like you were – you sent me texts about this and you, I think you were even tweeting about it like – 
Iron Man looms so large in, in both of those movies that it's like, so you're never going to reference anything that happened in the MCU or ever the again, Avengers or... movies, or like you're not going to address any of that. Like your whole last movie was based on the snap and like yeah, things like it that. It was post snap, and you can't reference any of that anymore. And you can't reference uh, Tony Stark, and you can't reference Happy Hogan. And or S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, or, or or any of that stuff. I mean, yeah, like literally the villains came out of Tony Stark's, you know, hubris. So how can you even use them moving forward, yeah. right? Like it doesn't make any sense. No. And I think Marvel was probably smart to probably intertwine it so much into the MCU that like you kind of have to reboot it again. And that makes my brain want to explode. Right. If I, I feel bad another... for Tom Holland because yeah. he's probably the best, you know, live action Spider-Man out there right now. And, like, they finally get the tone perfect, and it's like they, they've made two great movies, and, like, Sony is just, like, shooting themselves in the foot. And I'm not putting the whole thing on Sony. No, because like, I, think, I, think the, I think the money, like, mon- like, like, Disney going, hey, we're going from 5% to 50-50. Like, I yeah. get the 50-50 split, because Disney's probably going, look, look, listen, our return on investment here is, like, the, they're both playing chicken right now, right? They're both saying, you need us more than I need you. Right. They're both sides are doing that, right? Like, Disney's saying to Sony, go fuck yourself. If you don't have us, then your movie, like, your Spider-Man movies will go back to being shitty. Yeah. And no one's going to care about them. Um, and then Sony's going, no, well... I think Sony does need Disney more, more than, than Disney needs Sony. I agree. Because, like, even if, you know, it comes to, like... The decision right now is like it's a no go, but like if it if it ultimately is, you know, the end of Spider Man being connected to it, I'm sure Kevin Feige has you know a backup plan and like you know characters in place that you can use. It, it would just it would be a shame, but like the I the said, MC- cast Tom Holland as Johnny Storm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the but the MCU can still go on where like now you're left with these shitty spin off movies and an uncertain you know Spider Verse. Like, but it's almost like Sony was planting the seeds with the Spider Verse stuff and getting people familiar with that. Where right, but it also it seems, seems like, like they were gonna do, you know, like they were gonna go with like television productions for some of the uh, yeah. the spinoffs and some of the other movies that are connected within the universe. Because like Phil Lord and, and Chris Miller were talking about that recently, that they're kind of expanding into other mediums, not just film. Yeah, but they signed an overall deal with. Uh, Universal, Universal, yeah, which is interesting as well. So they might be bailing, um, jumping ship. As yeah, well. that's what I mean, right? So it's just like truly, um, like Sony has made so much money from this that, like, if they were, they they need they they both need to come to an agreement of some kind. But they, I like this is just not a good place to be in right now because, like, honestly, the, the, this is this is this is wasted money. Like, you are just they are going to lose out. You know, like on on, because what do you think films? happens if a Tom and like it, they have a, to reboot it again, or they're going right. to have to do something drastic where they're like, how do you cut out this Spider-Man from you know the web that's already been on woven? both sides, right? Yeah. Like, how does the MCU write him out without maybe? Well, even I think being that able might to, be a little bit easier. But as they might not even on. be allowed to reference him. But that's fine too. Like, maybe so you down just the line, you don't. Can, talk about him anymore yeah well i think that's the easier one to do like i think it's it's going to be harder on sony's side to you know take that holland version and yeah. and continue continue it. it where with the mcu side of things you can I think, quietly just kind of yeah because there's so many characters already right. and, you're, and you're gearing up to a next 
Avengers sort of crew, right? And you're so, heavily cosmic focused for the near future. Yeah, and, then, and you're bringing in new characters. So, but but then again, like look at the stuff with Fantastic Four, right? right? Where they were kind of planting the seeds in the in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, right? like and like fuck. whether it was for Osborne or whether it was for Fantastic Four, but now I mean it. it it's just well because the Fantastic Four is also in New York, right? Yeah. So it's like, how do you get around that? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I really do think it's negotiation, and I I don't know. Oh, it is. It's a tactic. I it's... don't know what. I don't know what gets the deal done. If it's seventy thirty, if it's sixty forty, I still think Sony will not do fifty fifty. Um, no. I think I it. Think so I think sixty forty is like the minimum, but like I don't even think that might be enough. But what does Disney go? Well, this is worthwhile for us. If you, uh, I, I don't know. So right, but again, like Disney. I mean, yeah, I understand Disney. Like it's, it's made money because of them. But I mean, they don't really necessarily need more money. <laughs> more money. <laughs> but then they go, well, why are we spending all this time and effort and probably spending money? Let, like it's still Kevin Feige's time. It's still like all of this stuff. Marvel Studios is still the ones producing the movies and the deal, right? Right. And if they were only getting a five percent cut, I mean, five percent of a billion dollars is still a lot of money. But um, maybe to them, it's just like, well, the the return on this, as much as people love the Spider-Man character, to your point, they're still gonna go see the next Avengers movie, and they're still gonna invest heavily into the mcu i mean fans yeah if spider-man's not involved i mean but it's Dis- also i mean there there are now expectations though because you know people like movie fans might not be following this as thoroughly as we do like on an obsessive level but now there are expectations that you've already established spider-man in the mcu and, and a as part an of important this character right so people will be expecting him to show up again so you know people that aren't paying attention to this news like today or, or or even you know weeks or months down the line will probably be disappointed that like what's going on with spider-man like when are we going to get another movie like when are we going to get him get him back into the mcu fold so spoilers for far from home if anyone's listening that hasn't seen that but it's getting re-released I, as well it, i want to um, um so dumb uh i guess you're easy out to me if i'm making the decisions or thinking about this is that okay you have the reveal at the end post credits that spider-man's identity uh now released to the world uh you could have him utilize the spider-verse i saw um tiffer is up and running baby know what eric and i are doing eating some shitty food after this and we're making our skeggies um so anyways i think you could have him like escape that universe because his uh identity is now known to everyone but then then you lose michael keaton probably and you lose uh, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal, I guess Mysterio's dead, but, um, but is he, I don't know. He is. Or He's like, dead. Yeah, it just, it's, but then, but even some of, with, with some of that setup, it's like what happens with, you know, Zendaya and, 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 and even like, again, spoiler alert for people that haven't seen it. Like you think that they would bring JK Simmons back into this for the third one as well. Right. Yeah. Or something like that. And, and yeah. And I, I really think it'll get done, and I just I hope can't so as well. But I do blame like what you said. It's Venom. It's all Venom. It's Venom's <laughs> fault, man. It really is. Venom doing so well. Venom, Venom gave gave Sony the confidence to go. Oh, maybe we don't need the MCU as much as we thought we did. Right, right. Because Venom still made eight hundred and thirty three million dollars and was a 
And we got Morpheus movie. coming, so. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know, man. Like, it's such a shame because Spider-Man is my favorite Marvel hero. He's probably my favorite superhero alongside Batman. Um, Gotta get and, a team-up movie. And then Batman's been fucked up lately, too. So it's just like. <laughs> he, I think he's going to come back and strong, And Disney though. is smart. Because they know people will put the blame on Sony, so I think this is more of a Disney leak, probably, of and dirty tactic by Disney by going, well, fuck it, we're going to tell everyone that you didn't want to do this anymore, so go fuck yourself, right. and then get the fans mad at Sony, even though I've seen people come out and go, you guys, like, Disney also being the richest fucking company in entertainment right now, and saying, oh, we want to jump from 5% to 45%, which is almost a ridiculous ask although i understand why you want a 50 50 split but i think eventually my prediction is that the deal will get done uh it will be for a significant chunk of time and it'll be more of like a 70 30 split or a 60 40 but yeah um, i don't think i don't think the the deal is done yet like in terms of like it's it's we're still far away from uh the next spider-man movie going into production but if it starts going into production and uh the deal's not done then it's done right but it's not a closed book as of yet yeah like i think we have another six months maybe six months to a year yeah before this actually becomes concrete yeah but um and probably because of the internet you know changing everything uh and people complaining, I'm sure it'll be resolved sooner rather than later. If I mean, D23 is... this weekend. I, mean, I know. <laughs> if they go back into talks before then and then just shock everyone with a, a big announcement. Could you imagine if this was just all a ploy to, like, shock people? At, yeah. Like, uh, it could be, too. You never know. Like, it's just, if you want even more interest in Spider-Man, then you do something like this. I mean, that would be... I guess people it would be huge because people would be very excited but, huge um, I don't know man I, I think it's unfortunate because I really do think obviously everyone listening to this knows that I, I, I love the MCU and I love Spider-Man they're two of my favorite MCU movies and I really do think they have a good thing going after um, I think these are the best Spider-Man this, the best version of Spider-Man we've gotten as much as I love the Raimi movies like they're very much of their time and I think they were great in their time i just feel like this is the best version of spider-man we've seen other than spider-verse which is just an amalgamation of a bunch of different things but also a phenomenal movie but um again going back to phil lord and chris miller not so much sony yeah (laughs) like so um i don't know and it it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and i really do think it's just public negotiations so yeah the court of public opinion will be weighing in on this one uh, yeah so nothing's changed i think since we started recording cuz we have i have notifications on for most of this stuff yeah but, but we, um, apparently we are getting a matrix 4 yeah so that's our next big news so uh which the spider-man news kind of overtook the matrix 4 news but because no one and, gives a fuck <laughs> well obviously and this kind of leaked a little while ago during the john wick 3 well, it uh, was rumored that like Michael B. Jordan was. going to I still to think be that's going to happen though, because what, uh Justin Kroll, who uh, this was his exclusive on um, Variety. Variety, yeah, yeah Variety. Yeah. Uh, so Matrix Four is being um, made. Uh, Lana Wachowski yep. will be directing and co-writing the film, um, and uh, Keanu is coming back. Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss is coming back. And the reason why Lawrence Fishburne hasn't been announced is because he, uh, Justin Kroll came out and said that they might be casting young 
uh, Morbius, right, uh, for this, which was rumored for Michael B. Jordan, right? Right. Before, so... And Michael B. Jordan is a big anime fan, and the Matrix movies are heavily inspired by anime, so I could see him being interested in it. But at the same time, I just... It's weird. Like, I don't mind the first Matrix movie. It, it It's it's a seminal piece of work in the late 90s. It influenced, you know, action filmmaking and special effects, you know, after the film came out 20 years ago. But it didn't need sequels. It, you know, is kind of dated rewatching it now and, and not the good way. It, it, like, everything feels like of the late 90s. I think the first Matrix still holds up. And I think it's looks fine. Really nice, I think it's but... fine. But I think there's just some stuff in there that just doesn't work as well as it used to. I mean, like, even, like, with the dial-up and all that kind of stuff. Like, Yeah, but I'd be curious to see how they make that work. In right. And then also, I think the sequels left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So with... do you think that this they'll pull what a lot of franchises are doing lately and just be a sequel to the first film? Or do you think they'll... The Matrix rebooted? Will all be canon. I don't know. Who cares? But <laughs> Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Because then you have to think about the Animatrix, right? Sure. Because remember those shorts <laughs> do, that were yeah. released? And they made a movie too, didn't they? Or... Yeah, no, they were a series of short oh, films. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they made a game. The game was kind of fun, but um, also parodied in everything. Really Shout bad out special effects. Conquers bad for a day. Um, yeah, I, I mean, The Matrix was... Ne- I remember I remember it being a phenomenon when it came out. I remember going to see the sequels and being like, what the fuck is happening in these movies? Um, I am going the to... The Oracle and the Architect. Yeah, I'm going to revisit them, but... Um, because the 4K collection is out and stuff too, right? I think they're only 20 bucks on iTunes for all three um, in 4K. Um, I mean, it was interesting when those sequels were being made because they were truly shot back to back. And, like, they were both shot in Australia. I mean, all I think all three of them were. Um, but the sequels were and, and, and what have you. And, and it became kind of a craze. But, yeah, I just remember watching those movies in theaters and, and just thinking to myself, like... Wow, this really did not need to be a trilogy. No. Like, sometimes one movie is good enough. But because it became a kind of cult success and people really loved it and it became an even bigger deal on DVD when DVD was starting, you know, like, Warner Brothers. And we have a Keanu comeback right now, too, right? Yeah. So I think that without the Keanu comeback, I don't think we get this movie. Keanu Sots? Yeah. Um,. For me, like I, this is gonna sound like like such a contrarian thing. I think the Wachowski sisters' best movie is Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. I, I, recently, I love that movie. I bought it. Um, I wish a 4K was out on that man. It's it, uh, sometime. At some point, it will. Yeah. Um. Because I've never actually seen it all the way through, and um, I feel like I gave it a bad rap when it came out because I was like, I this is what the fuck is this? And then like, uh, but I, I watched. It's got my boy Matthew Fox in it. Come on. Uh, Racer X. Uh, so I watched a bit of it the other night, um, and I do want to sit through and, and watch the whole thing. I just want to get really blitzed and just watch that movie. So Not that you um, need to because it's already right. pretty trippy as it is. Exactly. But it I was, remember seeing it in, in, in IMAX when it, when it came right. out. Peter Kablowski did that 70 mil uh, version at the Cinesphere, which I'm bummed that I didn't go see. Yeah, same. Um, but it, it's, it's, yeah, it's an underrated film, and it's one of those movies that – over time, I think's aged even better because it's so psychedelic and trippy, and it's again kind of playing in like you know late nineteen sixties, early seventies psychedelia that it it 
it doesn't feel dated the way that the Matrix movies kind of do, and and it's very playful and weird and yeah. operatic, and 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 again feels like a live action cartoon, which it's supposed to be, and it's 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 a fun film. Yeah, totally. Uh, my phone died. Can you pull up the rest of the news? <laughs> yes. Because uh, I forget what else was on there. You can skip the TIFF stuff, or I might have already taken it out. But Okay, so um, I don't know if you wanted to talk about this, because this might be something... This is more specific to Canada. So Disney Plus coming to Canada. I think it's uh, we should talk about okay, it. Okay, yeah. uh, it starts on... Uh, streaming starts on November 12th for eight ninety nine a month. That's eighty nine ninety nine a year. It includes Disney, Star Wars, Marvel Studios, Pixar, Nat and Geo. Nat Geo. Um, excited, man! Like I think it's uh, we weren't sure when we were going to get it in Canada, and we're one of three countries that. So it'll be United States, Canada, and I believe New Zealand uh, will all get it. Or Denmark? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> so either the Hobbits. Yeah, or, uh... we should. Yeah, we should research this stuff more. But whatever. Um, <laughs> So anyways, we're one of three countries getting it on day one. And uh, I the price is cheaper than I thought it was going to be, um, right? which is $9 a month. But if you subscribe for a year, it ends up being seven fifty a month, which is unbelievably <laughs> good. Um, and uh, it's going to be on basically every major platform. So they announced Apple, Xbox, PlayStation, um, Google, Chromecast, uh, smart TVs, things like that. So... Uh, super excited! We'll get the Mandalorian day one, which is what I was uh, wanting. And and uh, this is really, you know, like streaming wars have begun. Streaming war, yeah, they're throwing yeah. down against Netflix. Yeah, which is because, uh, I mean, eight dollars, nine dollars a month Canadian or seven fifty is is a crazy, crazy price when Netflix can get up to like seventeen dollars a month now, right? Yeah. So, uh, and we'll see with Apple TV Plus. We'll see with these other streaming services from Universal, HBO Max is our. I think we got another piece of news. We might as well just go right into that. Soderbergh's next movie is going to be on HBO Max with Meryl Streep and um, Lucas Hedges and Gemma Chan called Let Them Talk. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the streaming wars are in full force, man. And like, it'll be fascinating to see which ones survive. <laughs> I think um, Disney Plus will. Like, Disney, I, Netflix, and HBO are probably your your front runners to be like. And some of the boutique, and, like niche ones, like Criterion Channel. Those will don't have need its to fall. be. Yeah. yeah, like. But like of the big ones, I think Apple TV Plus is going to have a hard time. I agree, um, and I think Apple will throw a shit ton of money at all of these things if they're spending. Well, even Netflix is like, though right now. I mean, we with, talked about yeah. the Game of Thrones guys getting a ridiculous sum yeah. for IP that and they have Ryan Murphy, they have yeah. Shonda Rhimes, so they're loading up with people. Apple's loading up with the J.J. Abrams and Spielberg. Spielberg, and and they'll probably bring in more and more people. They partnered up with A24 to get some indie content on. Yeah, on Sophia there. Coppola's um, uh, new movie with Bill Murray. Yeah, on the rocks. So. It's gonna the next year after like starting in November when Disney Plus launches and then into when HBO Max launches because then we also have streaming services from Universal coming, um, which I can't fathom that doing anything. Like I know they'll have The Office and Friends and shit like that, but I thought Friends was Warner. Brothers. Oh, because it only aired on NBC. Yeah, but Warner owns it, right? Yes. So it'll be on HBO Max. Yes, yeah. you're correct. Um, and that's interesting of a Canada Paramount thing. Paramount as well right yes, now? Yes, but they just partnered with CBS. So right. does All Access go into – that's a news thing that we didn't have on here, but Viacom and Paramount 
or whatever the two companies are, um, uh, partnered up. And uh, so we remember we had that conversation about Star Trek, I think, like a week or two ago. We're like, aren't they owned by the same? Or maybe I was having that with someone else. But right. like With the, the television and, and the movie like stuff is were two different things because the television always aired on CBS. But the movies were owned by Paramount, which I thought were already the same company, but now they are. So uh, the CBS All Access stuff will be interesting. And then that fuels my theory of the Tarantino Star Trek, which would, would have been a Paramount property being a streaming property. So I, I think that would be a huge thing if you have your Star Trek shows and that's something there. Um, whether it's a streaming film or a streaming show, um, it's going to be interesting. So do you think the Universal one and the Paramount one, like CBS All Access is still going strong. Um, I mean, whatever strong is for it, but... I think um, they'll have to either team up with one of the competitors down the line. Like it feels like yeah. Universal will have to either, you know, uh, what's Sony doing, so, right? Yeah, or or you know, end up going with Netflix or something. Yeah, because I mean they already have. I mean Paramount and uh, Universal have already had deals with Universal for films that they were going to distribute theatrically, like The Cloverfield Paradox and Extinction, that they ultimately gave to. Netflix because they just didn't want to release them theatrically and pay for it because they felt they were movies that weren't worth it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and there's been so many side deals and things. I almost forget who because didn't Paramount do a deal with Netflix? Yeah, recently. It, yeah, too? it's it's gonna be confusing and also like again like people are gonna be talking about like they're they're gonna want to pay a certain <laughs> price for all their streaming services, which is cable. <laughs> which is cable. Yeah. I mean, the streaming wars is just the cable wars, but Over just again, yeah. without the commercials. And that's yeah. about it. Which means costs are driven up because you, yeah. you don't have ad. But I mean, you're not going to get like a great sort of like all encompassing deal. Like that's the, the problem here. Like you're going to, you're going to have to pick and choose. And then, yeah. And you'll have to vote with your wallet and then certain ones will fail because of that. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and it'll be interesting. Being in Canada is always weird because it's we usually get the exact same stuff as the U.S., but then it's always a little bit different. Um, but because of yeah, because like we won't have Hulu in that package, for example, because right. that's then, only a U.S. And then HBO Max, all of our HBO stuff is already on Crave, right? Yeah. So because HBO Canada is a separate thing that they have a partnership with Bell, but I don't know how long that partnership goes on for. Um, so HBO Max probably won't be coming to Canada unless they brand it something else, and it's only well unless they some of the Warner bring Brothers it here stuff. and yeah, like into like the Warner Brothers streaming service, which is also supposed to be happening at but some that, point. Oh, is it going to be separate from HBO Max? Well, there's I know that they're they're looking at, but I thought that Warner Brothers streaming service is HBO Max. Well, look, for older films, so for archival oh, stuff, Warner for like Archive, for their yeah. movies, sure, so, yeah, because I've heard that as well. Eh, it's there's so much i know it's too uh, much too and, much saturation yeah and then the apple tv rumored uh price was ten dollars in the u.s which will be about 12 or 13 dollars here and ten dollars for what though like i've i don't know I the just, morning show i don't know if the apple tv plus thing is gonna work out for them it's not it's 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 gonna bankrupt them probably no apple has way too much money but uh but it's such a waste but i could see it coming and going in like a year i right? mean they have bought 
well, here's the other thing as well. So um, we mentioned it with with the Sofia Coppola movie that they they're they're making in house with A24, but they've also bought a couple things, um, documentary and 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 small indie films that um, they they haven't really set any kind of release date for or or decided if it's going to be on a streaming service or platform of any kind. So. Um, that's going to be interesting as well. I believe uh, there, there's a documentary about elephants, and then there's one that's actually playing TIFF called uh, uh, Hala, um, that is that was bought by Apple back at Sundance. So that it's it's going to be interesting in terms of like what's going yeah. on with those movies. Like, are they going to? And then even even what's going on with Amazon right now? Oh, Amazon right. We, Studios, yeah. right? And Amazon Prime, Prime yeah. like. You know, that's we, the one we, I always forget that the about. Aeronauts and the Report, which are both playing TIFF, um, aren't going the traditional, you know, full month, two, three months. Of which I think we talked about last week, right? Release? Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, we did. Um, instead, now it's going to be two weeks in theaters, and then it'll be available to stream, and that also kind of ruined the deal for the Aeronauts playing in IMAX. Right. Um, so, like, yeah, what's going on with them as well on, on top of all of that? Because they're also creating original content. But and... Amazon has so much money too, right? Yeah. Which I feel like some of these will still... It's that Bezo money, baby. Right. Like, they got so much money where they're like, we're just going to stick this out, you know? We'll we'll ride it out where some other companies might not be able to afford, you know, uh, staying in the red for so long. But yeah, I'm um, not saying that Prime... Prime is interesting because it's like a addition, right? Because a lot of people subscribe to Prime because you get the shipping benefits, you get the Twitch Prime, you get the other stuff. Yeah, um, but they are putting their hat in in the ring. I mean, you've been watching The Boys, so like they are interested. Did I talk about that on this show? You, on the last episode, yeah. Um, I thought it was good. Yes, but 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 they are creating original co- flea bag as well. Like they're creating stuff Told to die young. Yeah, yeah. So they are trying to you know tap into that revenue with the other streaming services. Like I'm very excited for the Invincible animated series that they're yeah. doing. Yeah, and but... then again, like they're you know uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have a deal for the theatrical movies to pl- to be released by Universal. Yeah, which is weird, right? I don't know. <laughs> It's strange bedfellows. It's crazy. I don't know. Uh, anything else we got on the news or is that oh, it? Oh, the James Bond uh, Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. God, today was ridiculous. It sure was. Uh, the next James Bond film is called uh, No Time to Die, right? No Time to Die indeed, Matt. Uh, do you like the title? I like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it I sounds like it. a Bond title. It, it, You know, like I made a joke online saying, you know, don't worry, Mr. Bond, you only live twice. Um, it feels like it's right in line with that. With that, I mean, I'm still. I mean, there's a whole other topic that we could go into a conversation with now as well, like what's going on with Annapurna in oh, terms yeah. of because uh, apparently um, her dad might bail her out, or? bail her out. But but what does that mean for the future of that company? Because they have, uh, they have domestic <laughs> distribution rights for yeah. Bond. Uh, theatrically here, it'll in Canada, it'll be Universal. I think that handles it. Oh, really? Um, I, I think because MGM has been working with Universal uh, internationally, like fighting with my family. What was the last other the other MGM movie that I saw recently that also was partly uh, in, in association? But who has with international distribution for Bond? Is it Universal? I think it's Universal. Oh, okay, so yeah, that probably makes sense. Um, so that's going to be uh, interesting uh, early next year. So it is being released April uh, April third okay. uh, in the UK, Ninth? and then April eighth in 8th. the US. Okay. 
Um, and then we have two more quick uh, news stories. Michael Rooker is joining Fast and Furious <laughs> 9 as a character named Buddy. Uh, Sweet. This is from Deadline as well, and it looks like he's a late addition because they're well underway into filming. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he is. Pops he part up. of the family or a villain? You think he'll eventually join the family? <laughs> of course. Who are we kidding? Cool. Um, I hope him and John Cena. Speaking are of, of gay Spider-Man lovers. and Venom, uh, Robert Richardson, who at one point was rumored to be uh, the cinematographer for the Batman, is going to be the cinematographer for Venom Two. Cool. <laughs> Uh, and last, uh, I, I, do you th- I, yeah, I guess cause he, he's worked with Andy Serkis or no, no weird. Then why? why? And he, he did say like when, when the, it, it was first, didn't he do something else that was random recently? Well, he's done stuff like a drift with Shailene Woodley yeah. and stuff like that. But usually he'll jump either from a Scorsese or a Tarant. I mean, he's been working with Tarantino more recently, but like he worked with Oliver Stone a lot in the nineties and, and what have you, but um, yeah, this is this is a Ben Affleck as well, right? Because he that was the room. That's where the rumor started with the Batman, right? Is that he was going to be the cinematographer, but he said that he was talking only with Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah, fair. Um, so I, I like Robert Richardson a lot. Great hair. I mean, I like Andy um, Serkis a lot too, but like, I mean, I like mostly everybody involved. Yeah. In Venom. It's just that Venom was a piece of shit. I, I mean, I like this group of people more than Right. The but at first the same film, time, but... it's like Matthew Lipitique was no slouch. Right. Yeah, that's so, true. I forgot. Yeah. He yeah. Was I same... mean, that was the same weekend that both A Star is Born yeah. and Venom came out. Yeah. Uh, theatrically. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not from a craft point of view that there's a problem here. It's from a script point of view, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and performance wise and tonally kind of getting it together. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but I mean, you know, it'll probably have a lot of bright exposed light, a lot of blinding white light in there. Um, uh, Henry Golding is going to be in the new GI Joe spinoff as snake eyes. Cool. I guess. Well, we we were talking about him with last Christmas. So I thought I'd bring him up uh, again. And that is it. Okay. Uh, big news day. A couple, uh, a couple really big things. I guess the Bond title is not huge news, but it's still like it kind of. Well, got it swept. took it, it. It took some time, yeah. like because you know everybody was excited when they were going to announce it, and you know his uh, Fleming's old pad in Jamaica, and yeah. then it, you know that whole thing fizzled out completely. Fukunaga and, got busy playing PlayStation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know Daniel Craig kept injuring himself. Yeah, so but that news kind of got swept under the radar today because of the other big things, but. Uh, yeah, okay, guys, that pretty much wraps up this draft. Shorter episode. Yeah, I think we, we're trying to get rolling, right? we got to record one more review, and then we want to get into our TIFF schedule. But uh, And you guys will get plenty of content from us in the next couple weeks. So Too much. Uh, probably too much. So, uh, yeah, next week we'll be doing our uh, TIFF 2019 preview, as well as uh, probably throwing in a little bit of news from D23 this weekend. And whatever else comes up comes this up. week, because I'm but sure if it's, it's only Tuesday as yeah. we're recording this. So it'll be, uh, yeah, some point next week, probably next Tuesday you'll get that episode or, or actually maybe a little bit later because i have uh, some stuff going on this weekend but st- stay tuned we'll uh we'll let you know on social 
Um, if you guys like this, again, we do another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews, which I think you guys would really like. It's uh, about 20 to 30 minutes uh, every week, sometimes multiple times a week, depending on what's coming out, where Eric and I sit down and a little bit more professionally review a new release film, whether it's uh, upcoming, whether it's in theaters, or whether it's on a streaming service or something like that. Uh, our latest review you guys can check out is a review for Ready or Not, um, uh, which is on that channel. And then that channel will be our main outlet for all of our TIFF reviews. So if you're not subscribed yet, uh, I beg you <laughs> um, to subscribe to that channel. But we'll Matt be, is begging uh, you. We'll be letting you guys know. And as Eric mentioned, you can go straight to film reviews on Apple Podcasts. And we're listed there. Um, both podcasts are on that feed. And I'm not sure. I want to check out what um, if the other channels, whether it's Google or Spotify, have updated their categories as well. Because uh, a lot of people follow suit after Apple. Or we might just still be under the film and television um, categories on some of those podcasts. So, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with that big TIFF preview, and then you'll be getting a podcast per day for about 10 days straight or more, uh, with some reviews of all the, the highs, the lows and our burnouts. Yeah. We're about <laughs> to start, uh, planning that, uh, planning our schedules. So I'm very excited and, uh, uh we got to record a review, but that's some inside baseball stuff. So, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find all of my work around the interwebs. Uh, I got some stuff going up on cineplex actually.com where you can read some previews for TIFF stuff. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and obviously on untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can find me on all of the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. I'm mostly hanging around Twitter and letterboxd and you can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 and until next time keep on swinging